Welcome to another episode of Addicted to MRR. Today we have Mark Thompson of Pay Kickstart. How's it going, Mark? Good. Thanks for having me, Travis. Yeah, thanks for being on. So Pay Kickstart, why don't you just kind of give us a quick rundown about what it does and what kind of specific businesses you guys try to help? Absolutely. So, so Pay Kickstart, we, uh, we help businesses to generate more sales and revenue and retain more revenue uh, as well. Uh, so through our shopping cart and affiliate management solution. So we help software companies, uh, information marketers, really anyone selling digital goods to sell more. Gotcha. And so what uh, inspired you to actually get Pay Kickstart going? Yeah, so for about five years, I was a product creator myself, selling all different types of information, training programs, coaching programs, specifically software. And um, we, you know, we've tried lots of different shopping carts in the past, and we've noticed that a lot of them are just kind of average at best, and they don't really keep up with the standards that that people, you know, vendors and customers require when processing online. And so, you know, we probably went through, I don't know, five or six different shopping carts. And while they were just okay, we noticed that a lot of money was slipping through the cracks, whether it was maybe we had someone on a subscription plan and we weren't getting any updated credit cards when their credit card would expire. We noticed that there was just lots of revenue that was slipping through the cracks and it started to add up as we started to scale out. And so we decided about four years ago to create our own shopping cart and just start using it internally and start selling our own products through that shopping cart. And um, we quickly realized that other vendors were having the same issues and they started contacting us and saying, hey, that's a really cool checkout page. What, what are you using? Um, or, oh, hey, I noticed my credit card expired uh, and I got this this uh, email saying to update my credit card and it was a really seamless uh, transition to update my billing. You know, what are you using? And we started telling people about it and they're like, oh, I'd love to use it. And we're, we're just kind of naturally decided to allow other vendors to start using the platform. Uh, for their own businesses. And so it quickly started to to ramp up and we started to get a whole bunch of beta users using the platform for their own businesses. And uh, the rest is history. So we've we've been open to the public for about three and a half years now and it's really started to take off. Nice. And so just to give the audience an idea, what kind of MRR are you guys at right now with Pay Kickstart? Uh, we're right around 80K. So yeah, so about for the first year, year and a half, we really did, opened it up kind of in a limited beta, uh, especially when we're dealing with people's money. We wanted to make sure that uh, we were, you know, everything was was working well, you know, all the uh, transactions were processing properly. And we're also an affiliate management platform. So affiliates can promote any of the vendors on our on our platform and earn a commission. And so we want to make sure that the affiliates getting paid their commissions was was working seamlessly as well. Sure. And, you know, building something for yourself and building something that other people use is two totally different beasts. <laughs> so it is. We quickly realized that. And so, you know, we had to obviously uh, have both of our ears open and, and really take all the feedback and constructive criticism and really transform the uh, the platform in the direction that our vendors wanted it to go. So why don't you walk us through kind of the business? Like what's your average, you know, monthly selling price? What's the customer experience like when they sign up? Like, do you have a free trial? Does it require a credit card? Do you do freemium? What is your model like? Yeah, it's a good question. So uh, the way that we've always done it for the last few years is uh, it's a free trial. So it's a 14-day free trial. And we've actually tested 30-day and actually up to 90-day. And we actually found that the 90-day trial led to a higher churn. So we've actually kept it at 14-day free trial. We do require credit card at the time of, of signing up. And that's actually going to be changing pretty soon. We're, we're kind of revamping our onboarding process and trying to make it as easy for vendors to sign up and, and start processing um, payments for their own products 
And so uh, we're going to be uh, actually not requiring a credit card, but we're going to be giving them two weeks for a free trial. So what do you think made the 90-day trial have a higher churn rate? You know, was it the fact that people weren't actually getting activated or what was the holdup that was causing that issue with the higher churn? Yeah, I think part of it was they weren't seeing the value. Um, just that was based off of uh, kind of a bad onboarding experience. So there's certain certain things that they need to do in order to start selling their products. Like they need to create a campaign, they need to add their products to that campaign, and then set up a sales funnel. And so I don't think that we properly relayed that to our customers, at least in the initial um, period, uh, initial stages. And so I think that was part of it. The other part was the fact that we're giving them 90 days. A lot of people, I think, just kind of pushed it to the side and didn't make it a top priority. Whereas with 14 days, they only have two weeks to test out the products for free. Um, and then we start charging them. So I think it, it was more of kind of that scarcity factor that, hey, you know, if they're only getting two weeks, they need to start using the application right away and start selling. And once they start selling, they're in there every day logging in, checking their stats and making tweaks to their sales funnels. Sure. Yeah. Having an incentive to actually getting up and going is important for sure. And I think it'll be interesting to see how removing the credit card required capacity, how that affects those numbers. Because by having the credit card required, they know that if they don't do anything, they get charged. So it'll be interesting to see how that affects the uh, the actual engagement and setup of your customers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of what we're in the process of doing right now. We're revamping the whole website um, just because the product has evolved so much over the last three years. We've added so many new features. And so the way that we kind of organize the contents on our sales website, as well as just kind of who we're targeting has has changed as well. And so with that, we're, we're going to be increasing the prices as well. And then we're also doing a whole new onboarding experience and we're actually redoing the whole UI as well. So over the last three years, a lot has happened. And so we're like, you know, we kind of need to start fresh. And so that's what we've been doing. We've just been kind of going from from the ground up and um, revamping everything. And so we're in the process of doing that. We're pretty excited about relaunching it in the future. Sure. So just over 80K a month, that puts you somewhere around the ballpark of about a million bucks a year. What is your average customer pay right now per month? And what what do you see that going to in the future? Yeah, so the average is, is right around $120 per month. Um, so that's that's something that we're definitely looking to improve on. And so from other founders, SaaS founders that we've talked to, um, increasing pricing actually doesn't really have, have an impact on your your lifetime value of your customers. And so we're um, we what we wanted to do, at least initially, was to keep our prices as competitive as possible and actually lower than than the competitors, just so we can make sure that we have product market fit and that we can build that initial customer base. Well, now that we have um, we're, we're we've decided to increase our prices in the very near future, We'll be grandfathering all of our early adopters into the the pricing that they currently have, but we're kind of changing up our pricing structure. We're going to be productizing our our offerings a little bit different so that we can increase that that transaction value and, and lifetime value of each customer. Cool. Yeah. And, and when you're working on that lifetime value, do you have upsells and whatnot when people first sign up for the trial that you try to get them to buy or do you wait for later or how do you maximize the revenue from each customer? Yeah, I think that's what we've been working on a lot right now. So, you know, how do you take someone who's who's you know has a monthly subscription with us? Maybe try to upsell them to a yearly contract or a two-year contract. Or if they're with our basic plan, how do we get them to upsell to our professional plan or our premium plan? I will admit, you know, we've we've kind of neglected that for the the first few years. We've been so busy at just really working on the features and the product that we kind of let the the marketing and the offering side of things kind of slip away. And so that's something that we're really in 2019 and, and moving forward, really trying to improve on. 
Sure, that makes sense. Now, obviously, you know, you and I have known each other for a while, and so I know that you came from the sort of product launch space. What were some of the hurdles of going from launches to uh, putting a lot of your wood behind one arrow, so to speak, with one big recurring product? What, what was sort of the, the organizational challenges, the hiring challenges, the support and marketing challenges? What what changed in your business? Yeah, a lot. I mean, it's been a complete 180. It's it's amazing how different you know doing the kind of product launch formula is compared to running you know trying to build a, a mainstream SaaS application. Just the 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 hierarchy. I mean, really, you know, you you need to have excellent customer support. You need to have great documentation. You need to have a great onboarding experience. Um, you need to really listen to your customers and make sure that you continuously are adding more and more value. You know, with the product launch model, a lot of that was built off of, you know, you pay just a one-time investment and you have access to the product. And, you know, something that I've learned over the years is that it's really not a win-win situation when, you know, the, the customer pays you once and it, there's really no incentive for the product creator to continuously up the game of the product, right? And, and improve the user experience and add new features and ben- and have great benefits to the customer. And so, you know, that was something that, that we did. And, and, you know, we still support all of the products that we've launched over the past five years. But the problem is that, you know, when, when revenue isn't coming in on a, on a regular basis, those products kind of get pushed to the wayside. And so one thing that I'm really proud of with Pay Kickstart is the fact that we've never offered a one-time investment on, on the platform. And to us, that's that's a win-win for both us and the customer because we can continue to deliver more value and continue to add more customer support. We can add more developers to build new features, and it just gives more support for our customers to be successful. So it's been kind of a different mentality, a different way of thinking of things. But I would definitely, when moving forward, this is all we're going to continue to, to do is just improve on the product, listen to our customers. And at the end, if our customers are, are successful, we'll be successful. Sure. I mean, and to be clear, you're probably one of the, you know, bigger guys when it came to the product launch thing. So it must have been sort of difficult to, I'm sure you were stressed out with launches or whatever, but it must have also been difficult to just the more or less give up that that model, that revenue stream that it works so well for you. I mean, what dollar amount sort of in total do you think you sold in sort of the traditional product launch style? God, I mean, we, I mean, probably about uh, $20 million worth of product launches. And so part of that is actual, actual sales of our products, but then, you know, also a byproduct of being a product creator is uh, affiliate marketing. So you start to build this list of buyers and, you know, we've probably had over a hundred thousand people that have purchased our products in the past. And so that's a hundred thousand people that you can promote other products to as an affiliate and earn commissions. And so we've done everything from push people into just straight to sales pages. We've done webinars with some of our joint venture partners. And so, um, yeah, so there's always that byproduct of, of generating commissions as an affiliate. One thing that we're doing and, and, and what I would highly recommend doing for anyone that's kind of making that transition into the SaaS world is not going that, that route of pushing other people's products when you're on a recurring billing model because you obviously don't want to churn and burn that list, which is what a lot of product creators end up doing. They, they end up they generate a lot of money from their product launch, and then they burn that 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 email list with just promoting offer after offer. Instead, with with your SaaS list, if, if you have someone that's paying you $100 or $200 or $300 a month, you want to just make sure that you're continuously providing more and more value. And the end goal is just to continuously make them a happy customer and keep paying you month after month. So it's a little bit of a different mentality going from that product launch to the SaaS model. Well, the SaaS model sort of forces you to think about what's in it for your customer as opposed to what's in it for you as the, <laughs> the, yeah. the product creator. Absolutely. 
Sure. So, I mean, that that's definitely a big hurdle. And, and I know it would have been hard for me to turn away from a $20 million business, you know, uh, <laughs> to, to go SaaS, although maybe not because I guess I made sort of a similar transition, not, not quite to that scale, but went from a, a one-time pay product, which is even a WordPress, as you know, and, and moved it to a SaaS. So I, I totally understand that evolution. Just my numbers are a little different. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, I mean, obviously, like my my income took a hit when we decided to make that transition. And I was totally fine with that because I sacrificed short term gains for for long term. And and for the people that, you know, really, truly care about their customers and they want to build a real business, in my opinion, you know, you need to build recurring revenue because if you're just looking, if you're just trying to sell the next shiny object, I mean, it, to me, that's not a business. That's just kind of a, a way to generate revenue online. But if, if you're smart about it, I, I feel like you need to reinvest those profits into that long-term plan, whatever that may be. Yeah. In some ways, it seems like the product launch model is really sort of an arbitrage of attention more than anything. It's it's not really building an asset other than your audience, which will eventually go away. So it's definitely a big mental shift. Yeah, I mean, there's there's pros and cons to to that strategy, and I think it's a great way to build, a, you know, to really get started, right? To build a, a list of buyers, build that foundation for yourself, build you know personal brand. Um, I think all of that is stuff that you need, and 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 I wouldn't be to you know where I am today without doing the things that I did using the product launch formula. It does work, but there's people that have abused it in the past where they'll launch a product, they'll make a lot of money. And then a year later, you'll never hear from them again. It's not supported. They've taken it down and their customers are left dry, you know, left to hang. So for the the smart ones who, who can, you know, systematize things. And so, you know, even if you did build a few products using the product launch formula and it's a one-time investment, hopefully you still support those products. You fix bugs, you update the software as needed, but then you're reinvesting that those profits into something that's more of a long-term sustainable business model. Yeah, I would say the same is true for contest domination and campaign refinery. If it wasn't for the series of events or product launch, which allowed us to do the next version of contest domination, which then generated a sustainable business, which generated revenue for a campaign refinery. And so, you know, that snowball effect would never have happened without initial product launch on our end either. So that's... yeah. I mean, you either bootstrap or you get you get funding, right? I mean, and so if you're going to bootstrap the product launch formula, it, it does work, but you need to have that long-term plan in place. Great. So, I mean, I'm assuming that obviously you just went to your own list to to sell your initial accounts for pre-kickstart. I mean, I know you said people asked you what, what they were, but when you actually decided, hey, in earnest, we need to sell this to other people and let, let them know that it's available for sale, I assume you just turned to your own list of previous customers? We did. At least that's that's how we initially started. And then it, it's, it started to go into word of mouth, right? So people started using the product, they loved it, and then they started telling their friends about it. We also brought on some affiliates. The, the affiliate model like is more linked with the product launch formula. It does work with SaaS, but not as well because a lot of affiliates, they like to get their commissions paid right away and get a nice chunk up front. Whereas, you know, this is more of like, well, hey, you know, you'll get 20 or 30% commissions instead of, which is normally 50% for the product launch uh, formula because there's more overhead with SaaS, right? You need, you know, there's a lot more server costs. There's more overhead with support and development and all that kind of fun stuff that goes along with it. So, so yeah, so, you know, we initially launched to our own list just to build that kind of um, seed list of customers uh, to, to the first early adopters. And then um, what we're working on right now is, is a way that we can scale this out on a paid, a paid model, right? Through Facebook ads or Google ads, and start bringing people in through lead magnets and email sequences and that kind of stuff. And so that's really what 
we've placed a lot of emphasis on over the last six months or so is try to figure out if we can invest $10 or $20 to acquire a customer, you know, over the long term, that'll pay off. And we try to make it pay off as quickly as possible, typically in the first six months. If we can get that customer to six months, that means that we've kind of broke even. And then after that, the rest is gravy. Do you actually know what your current acquisition costs are? Yeah. So right now it's, it's around $60. That's pretty good for, you know, 120 bucks a month. Yeah, it it is. So now some of those customers are like, you know, they'll test it and we have a $29 a month plan. So those prices are going to go up. So our, our CAC will increase as our prices increase because we're not, we're obviously going to have probably less customers, but those customers that do buy will be more qualified customers. And we do have We'll have more overhead because as our pricing increases, we're going to be building a small sales team. So we'll have some more overhead there. So our CAC will start to go up over time. Gotcha. And of your marketing strategies so far, have you had any campaigns that have just totally flopped or blown up in your face that you thought were going to do well, but then just totally didn't? Yeah. I mean, we've, we've had a hard time selling our product on webinars, which was kind of surprising. Uh, we've, you know, we've kind of re- reviewed some other companies that have been doing some webinars uh, in our space and, and we tried to mimic kind of the style and we found that it just, it hasn't worked. And maybe it has to do with, you know, our list or the, the type of traffic or people that have been coming onto the webinars, but um, they've, you know, we've been selling thousand uh, dollar offerings of, of pay kickstart, which will get them a year of pay kickstart. Um, our premium plan, which is our highest plan, but uh, we've noticed that the conversions, uh, the conversion rate has been has been super low for that. So we continue to try to tweak that and 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 try to figure out an evergreen webinar that we can just rinse and repeat and just draw, you know funnel more more and more traffic through that webinar. But we haven't found one that has truly converted really well, and so we've put more eggs in the basket of just you know get people into a lead magnet and then hit them with a lot of value and try to get them into a free trial. And then hopefully once they're in, in a free trial, get them get a great onboarding experience to get them to, to first value as quickly as possible. So they see the value of the product and they never want to leave. Sure. So if someone currently buys at 997, do they just pay 997 a year for every year? Or does it then go monthly after that? How does that work? It goes monthly after that. So that's we give them kind of a, a deal for the first year. And then they can they can go monthly or they can go with our annual plans. It's completely up to them, but they wouldn't get the discount, the, the discounts on the first year. Gotcha. Okay. Well, you know, what things have surprised you most about this business so far and, and building it to about a million dollars a year? Oh, what a surprise me. How much, how much work goes into it? I mean, there's just so many things that kind of go on behind the scenes that you would never like think about. It's just, it's a different, it's a different business model really from what I've known in the past. Just, you know, you need to really up your game when it comes to trying to build a mainstream SaaS application, especially over the last two or three years. I I feel like uh, there's a lot more competition than there was five to eight years ago with SaaS. So you need to really listen to your your customers and know exactly what they want and, and really have that customer persona dialed in, right? Like know exactly who you're targeting and and how to go after them and what their pains and challenges are. So really listening more than I ever thought was possible and not making assumptions. Like I always kind of assumed certain things and it was more maybe like the the, the cocky part of of me being the entrepreneur, like, oh well, you know, I know people are gonna want this product and I'll go and build it and spend all this time and, and energy on it. And uh, hopefully they'll want it. But when it comes to a SaaS 
product, you really need to have your customer persona dialed in and know what those pains and challenges are, or else you'll never survive because the competition, there's more and more competitors coming into the space than ever before. And so if, you know, if you don't alleviate those challenges that they have, they're just going to go to a different competitor. Yeah, I completely agree. We have a constant open feedback loop with our customers, and it's the only way that we can make things work. You know, I feel like mm-hmm. with the increased competition, if you aren't bringing your A game, you become chum in the water for everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> I agree completely. So one thing I like to talk about on this show a little bit is the underside of being an entrepreneur, the the stress, anxiety, overwhelm, sometimes even depression, uh, the mental health side of things. You know, for everyone that, that may take a different flavor. It may manifest differently. Um, you know, someone who has dealt with anxiety for over 10 years myself, you know, some days I'm better, some days I'm worse, but I actively do things in my life to try to systemize and alleviate some of those pressures. Are any of those types of things, things that you've dealt with in your entrepreneurial journey? And if they are, how have you dealt with them or, or built things into your life to help alleviate some of those pressures? Yeah, I think, I think it's a great topic. So, and I don't think a lot of entrepreneurs talk about this enough, especially one thing I noticed is once I became an entrepreneur, I, I immediately started getting anxiety and I, I never had anxiety you know, before that. Um, and it's just the, the kind of the fear of the unknown, right? I mean, you're, you're, you need to produce for your family and, and, you know, pay bills and that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, especially if you're just starting out and you don't have systems in place and you don't have a roadmap to success, it can, it can bring on a lot of, of stress and anxiety. And I definitely felt that. And I've always, and I've kind of dealt with that. And I think every entrepreneur deals with some level of anxiety um, just because so much is reliant on you, right? Everything begins and ends with you. And so some things that I've done to kind of alleviate that, um, one thing I did do was I, I bought a treadmill desk and I'll walk four miles in the morning while I'm just kind of, you know, checking emails and, and talking to my team and just making sure you get daily exercise, whether it's, you know, walking on a treadmill desk or going out for a run or CrossFit or whatever makes you happy. One thing that we do as entrepreneurs, we sit, you know, we sit a lot at our desks and it's important to, to get some movement going. And then that really helps to generate ideas, get the blood flowing and helps to reduce an anxiety. So I do that every morning and that's really helped. Um, the other thing just to kind of help get rid of the the, the pressures and, and, and the reliance on you is start hiring people as quickly as you can, even if it's part time, right? Even if you hire one person part time, what you need to do is kind of start a log of the things that you do on a regular basis and what things can you pass off to somebody else. So hire a virtual assistant. You can pay someone $3 an hour in the Philippines to just do even just tedious stuff, right? So, or hire an accountant, a bookkeeper, even if it's part time, just to handle your finances, you know, just little things like that. So, you know, we've been lucky enough to, you know, over the years to hire some really talented people, designers, developers, support staff, and a lot of those day to day tedious things that would keep me up till midnight answering support tickets or doing just random stuff. I don't have to worry about that stuff anymore. And there's nothing, there's nothing that sucks worse than, you know, trying to go on a vacation for a week and working the whole time. Right. And I remember doing that the first, like the first few years that I was an entrepreneur, I would like say, okay, yeah, let's go, let's go to the beach or let's go do this, go go do that. And, And I wasn't able to relax. I wasn't able to enjoy myself. And it wasn't until about three or four years into my entrepreneurial journey that I was able to say, hey, you know, I have the support staff that can answer tickets. I have a CTO who can manage the developers. Um, We have processes in place where everyone knows essentially what to do. And I'm only really bugged now for some of the, the, the bigger decisions or things need to get escalated to me. 
they will, but for the most part, I have a frontline team that can handle the majority of the tasks. And, and to me, that's what it's all about, right? I mean, you need to be focused on the bigger picture and really business development. How are you going to grow your company? You, you shouldn't be focusing on the tedious stuff where that doesn't have a, a major impact on your business. That probably also really helps alleviate the the feeling of like, man, everything good or bad is my fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, again, every, at the end of the day, everything comes back to you, right? Whether, you know, if your developer messed up and, and there was a bug in the code and all your customers are emailing support and they're all pissed off. At, at, I mean, it comes back to you and, and your brand. And so you have to kind of roll with the punches. Don't take everything personal or don't don't let something just bog you down and slip into a depression and, and just kind of make you incapacitate incapacitated for, you know, for weeks at a time. Just deal with it the best that, that you can and, and understand that problems are going to arise. There's going to be challenges. It's not meant to be easy. And I think it's, it's the people that can deal with those challenges and overcome them are the ones that kind of rise to the top. That's, that's really good advice. I know one thing that I personally struggle with is the fact that I pour so much of myself into my products that when something doesn't go right or someone criticizes or whatever, even if it's deserved, it feels personal, even though I know it's not. And so I have to work on trying to you know be more empathetic and, and put myself in their shoes and think, you know, they're just trying to solve a problem for their business. And if it's not explained well enough or if it's not working how they expect it or whatever, it's our job to fix that. And it's not that they're mad at me. It's that they're, they're mad at their problem and, and we need to do a better job of helping them solve that. And that helps to a certain degree, but it's still sometimes hard to put that filter on and realize that, hey, the product is not you. <laughs> right. And, and there could be other variables in that person's life, right? I mean, they could be going through a divorce or they could have other stresses and anxieties that compound and, and they, they're, they're looking for an outlet. And unfortunately, sometimes, you know, your help desk is the front line of, of people just spewing, you know, their, the bad things that are happening in their lives. And it doesn't help that, you know, oh, there's a bug in the code and it's not you know, helping me resolve this one challenge. So it's, um, yeah, it's an interesting thing, but yeah, understand that there's other factors at play that it's not just because there's this bug in, in your code that, you know, they're pissed off at you. And, and so, yeah, it's definitely a good perspective to remind people. What about, uh, sleep and caffeine habits? Do you, have you modified any of those over the years? I've always needed sleep and I know most entrepreneurs, they, you know, they, they sleep five or six hours. I've, I always get my eight hours. I like time with my family. I like time to relax. And, you know, I, I still do enjoy watching Netflix and, you know, TV series. And to me, that's, uh, that's how I unwind. I get to just enjoy other things because, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, one thing that I think everyone should be able to enjoy is, is the fruits of your labor, right? You're putting, you're pouring your, your, your soul into a product and you want to be able to enjoy it, right? And you want to be able to go on vacations and, and do things outside of, of business that, that make you happy. And so I think everyone should, you know, if you like to, you know, sleep or you like to do exercise or you like to, you know, whatever it is that you like to do, make sure that you, you put it into your schedule and you stick to that because the last thing you want to do guys is make your business a job, right? To me, I enjoy waking up and going to work because it's fun. There's new challenges that arise every day and it's fun to me. It's to me, it's not a job. And so if you can get to that point in your business, to me, that's like true success. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> Having the <laughs> flexibility, whether it's time, what you want to spend your your energy and focus on. For me, my wife is a, a nurse, and so she has a less than regular schedule most of the time. And so if we want to be able to go somewhere and do something on a Wednesday and Thursday, 
we usually can, you know, sometimes I, I usually have to put in the work obviously somewhere and I do work a fair amount, but having that flexibility to rearrange the schedule around the things that are important to us and things that we want to do is a huge upside to the entrepreneurial journey in my eyes. Totally. I mean, I, I love sports. So, I mean, come March, Mar- March madness time, you, you guarantee it. I was, I was checked out. I mean, I made sure I had all my ducks in a row. I got everything done ahead of time. And then March madness came and I just sat and, and hung out with friends and watched basketball and for, for a couple of days. And, and it was great. So, I mean, whatever makes you happy. Right. And of course, like you said, you, you have to put the time in somewhere. So many people waste time. It's unbelievable how much time you spend on Facebook and Instagram and social media and, and, and on your phone. And it's just, there's so many distractions. If you can cut out those distractions and be efficient with your time, you will have time to do things that you enjoy. For sure. I mean, when I actually get into a, a you know, maybe it's before a big product reveal or, or something where I need to really focus, even turning off the notifications is not enough for me. I'll actually go delete Facebook, Instagram, even Facebook Messenger, like any social app or anything that's like not mission critical actually gets deleted off of my phone for several weeks. Absolutely. Because I find you, you realize that, hey, even if you're going up to get a drink of water or whatever, you're like mindlessly checking. You're like, why am I doing this? This is not helpful. This is not productive. This is not moving my business forward. This is, you know, if, if I put the phone down and focus really intently for several hours, I can get more done in three hours. And a lot of people get done in their, you know, eight to five, nine to five job just because it's focused output. So being able to really kind of put the horse planters on is, is a huge advantage. Amen. (laughs) Great. Well, this has been really helpful and insightful. You know, first of all, congratulations on uh, reaching about a million dollars a year. The final question I guess I have just to give our our readers a perspective or our audience a perspective, how long did it really take you to, to kind of feel that surge in that ramp? I know you launched, but usually, you know, that first 5K a month MRR, 10K, 20K MRR is, is a lot harder than the next 20K. So what what yeah. did that kind of four-year timeline look like for you to go from zero to 80, 85K? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a long process just, just because like for the first year, we used the platform internally just for our own products. And then the next year, we slowly let in some beta users to use it in their own business. So it took probably almost probably two and a half to three years before we really started to ramp up and scale up and, and start to get a lot of word of mouth going. So now, I mean, that isn't always the case with SaaS companies. Um, because we are a shopping cart and dealing with people's money, we wanted to make sure that that the system was bulletproof. So we took kind of a slower approach than we would have with a, a different type of product. But it's it took a couple of years, that's for sure. So where were you at about two years in, if you can remember your monthly recurring? I, I don't know offhand, but it was probably around like 10 or 20K a month. Yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. I mean, so three quarters of your of your upswing came in the last two years, not the first two years. So absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I just want to always remind people that the, these monthly recurring businesses are, are like a snowball downhill. It sometimes you got to get it up over that peak first, you know, before it can start collecting more on the downhill. But it's certainly worth it. It's like a like a marketing flywheel in a lot of ways. You can actually get momentum behind it, unlike one-time sales, which are kind of, you know, feast or famine. Yep, totally. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for being on. Thanks for, you know, sharing your your insights about stress and anxiety. I think that's really important that entrepreneurs realize that, you know, not everyone is Gary Vaynerchuk and working insane hours and, and you know, <laughs> deciding that that's the life for them. I think we kind of live in an era of, you know, the, the quote, hustle porn. So understanding that balance and that 
we all go through struggles and that we all have challenges, but it's still possible to remove yourself a little bit from that and, and be successful. If people want to check you out or have more questions uh, to follow up with you after after today's interview, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, they, they can visit paykickstart.com or if you just go to Facebook, um, you can go just uh, type in uh, paykickstart and you can join our group and then you can ask any questions there and I'm in there, my support team's in there as well. And so uh, we can interact there. Cool. Well, thanks so much for being on today, Mark. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where Pay Kickstart goes after you know, some of the changes you mentioned. And uh, maybe we'll do a follow-up. Great. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it.